In race, social interactions, marriage, dating, business partnerships, and religious practices. It's the new theocracy wherein every facet of life is seen through the lens of a holy paradigm in relationship to the divine comedy as we navigate not only the eschatological but the existential. In that the holy has condescended to live among and with the unholy making us holy by his fellowship and his indwelling. This consideration dominates and drives life, decisions, goals, passions, personal interactions, race, prejudices of the child of God. 2 Corinthians 11, 6, 11 through 7, 1. <clears throat> Once the church abdicates her role as a beacon of ethics and morality <coughs> in society, she begins a journey toward undefinition and irrelevance. She is full of grace and truth for a purpose. Jesus calls us salt, light, seed, kingdom, and a hilltop city. These strategic terms all radiate pervasive influence and purposeful intent. We may vary on how that's fulfilled, but there is no debate that there is to be influence. Salt that ain't salty ain't salt. 
Matthew 5, 13 through 17. The place of church is not to satisfy the hollowness in the hearts of the believer. Church is a gathering together of hollow souls, echoing together their parting need, their panting need for the love of God. We find encouragement in knowing we are not alone in our empty pining, and hope in knowing that soon, yes, very soon, he who promised will come, and all our empty places shall be filled. Therefore, all church celebrations should only be temporary claps. We have done nothing until we come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Living on our past merit and yearly head counting is simply not enough. If we get to the place where we get everything right, it's still not going to be all right. If we get to the place where there is no quote-unquote black church, quote-unquote white church, quote-unquote multicultural church, if we get to the place where we get it all together, we are still less than we ought to be. We will still fight the flesh. And so I'm encouraging us today, good church or bad church, white church or black church, that we strive for the hope that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, today we have a, several things to do. Um, and in the evening classes, I don't mind running my mouth. Those who know me, uh, <laughs> I don't mind running my mouth, and I don't mind having <laughs> one-way conversations. <laughs> but I know in the evening you have eaten, <laughs> so we're going to try to make it as interactive as possible on this evening. My introduction, one, two, very quickly kind of review what we talked about yesterday. We talked about the state of race relations in the church. We, we looked at a, several different ways that people interact as far as race is concerned. And we came to the fact of understanding that the fact is we really, really don't understand one another. We listened to a comedic dialogue by Gary Owen, and I'm still laughing about it today. Especially when he said, it's Monday, I'm still at church. <laughs> then we, we got in groups. We talked about what was great about growing up in a predominantly white church. We wanted to set up the idea that your church experience, regardless if it was multicultural or, or one culture, monocultural. Is that a word, monocultural? Whatever it was, that whatever God used to bring you up is all right. That, that you shouldn't feel bad that you grew up at a quote-unquote all-white church or quote-unquote all-black church. That God uses whatever God wants to use in his sovereignty Amen. to bring us where we need to be. We also ask, now what are some differences between the white church and the black church? And then it kind of picked up even more as we discussed those things and how we felt about those things. 
Um, it, it's not good enough just to have knowledge without having a connection to your heart. And so we ask, how do you feel about those things? And we, we allow those who felt badly to, to kind of speak those things too. I'm a person who, who just culturally, I, I like to, to, to talk straight. And when we get a little later, we talk about some other things. I'll, I'll share how that's gotten me in trouble with, with, with a lot of <laughs> non-black folks. <laughs> they come off the wrong way, I guess. I, I, it's, it's a cultural thing. We just kind of speak straight. This is what it is. <laughs> and I, I lack proper diplomacy, cultural acumen <laughs> to navigate correctly the conversations. And so they come out significantly more negative than they ought to. But we talk back and forth on those times. But we talked about that this problem isn't new, right? We went back to 1874, and we started talking about how race relations in the church are problems and have always been a problem. A friend of mine, with Jeremy, he shared to me, and I'm going to have him if he can share it in about 15 seconds. Um, um, I know that's <laughs> hence the reason for the parameters. <laughs> he talked to me about some things that were said in the mission of the Talmud. In the Talmud, um, that I, I had known some of these arguments um, were prevalent in the early stages of American Christianity um, and of America's groupthink. I, I knew that. I didn't know they went back further. So if you could just kind of share, like, really quickly what you kind of told us yesterday. Just the, the sin of Ham, uh, when he walked in and uncovered his father's nakedness and, and Noah cursed him, the result of that curse, according to some of the uh, teachings of the rabbis, was that his skin became dark, his hair became curly, and his eyes turned yellow. And so that was the curse that was placed upon him. And so that has been a, uh, a teaching that has been horribly prevalent in Judaism and Christianity by by secondhand nature for generations. Did y'all know that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure about the hair. Never become a like that. <laughs> I had never heard that before. I mean, because I I'd seen debates, especially old Baptist debates, um, about um, 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 they talk about Christian Cain uh, more uh, uh, more so. But I mean, I I'd heard that. Um, but I never had known that it, it was rooted in some uh, rabbinical um, interpretation of the curse. Um, yeah. So, so we said this isn't new. We brought it. We brought it up, up, up through personal experiences, and I and I kind of ended um, most contemporaneously with what Brother Lawrence had talked about in his experience that that this is not something that we can say. Oh, that's how it used to be. Oh, we live in post-racial America. Racism is dead. There's no such thing as skin color. And I shared with you how, how two years ago, um, when I was on my vacation, my, my 30th anniversary with my amazing wife, um, how, 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 how the wonderful time we were having and how, how the effects of the four consecutive shootings of, of, of young black men affected me and, and how it took me back to being a child of the 60s 
um, the early 60s and 70s and how, 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 how I was no longer this modern guy, this, you know, we can all get along kind of guy. I was, I was back um, in that day where, where you had to watch everything you said and you, you had to be very careful because um, you could die, <laughs> you know. Uh, and how, 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 how it hurt me that, that I thought my children, especially my son, and I, and I say especially my son, not to diminish my daughter um, at all, but because as a black man, uh, we knew certain things. You know, there were certain things a black woman could kind of get away with back in the day. Um, but a black man, we knew we had to be a certain way or it was going to end up badly. And, and it was hurtful for me because my son did not grow up in the 60s and 70s. He did not grow up, and I didn't teach him to walk in fear. I, you know, I didn't teach him. I, I, <laughs> maybe it's my bad. <laughs> but, but I didn't teach him, you know, that if a policeman pulls you over, you know, you have to kind of default to this step and fetch it kind of thing in order to survive. I wasn't teaching him that. I was teaching him to stand up and be strong. And, and now I'm fearful that my child who gets pulled over for running a stoplight won't get home. And so we talked about that and how, how you cannot decontextualize the church and say, well, well, that's out there. It ain't in here. Well, glory to God, if you listen to Brother, Brother Lawrence's testimony and, and several others, you know it's not only out there. It's in here also. And so we ought to deal with it. And then we kind of started walking through those ideologies um, then. And what I, what I want to do today is I want to walk not too long but just a little bit through Ephesians 2 a little bit. Um, just a little bit through Ephesians 2. And then we're going to discuss some more. We're going to talk about some things in groups also. Um, but there's one thing I have to do before I get to Ephesians 2. Yes, you had homework. <laughs> Other people didn't come yesterday like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How many of you did your homework? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, Chris and I kind of parked the uh, okay, yeah. You broke it in the sink. I didn't understand. You broke it in the sink. Okay, okay, but you did it. The homework was after class to, oh. to eat dinner. And you could, like some people say, well, we're going to eat breakfast together, or that's fine, and to sit and worship together. Um, these these multi-racial groups that we put together um, to, to do this. And I just want a couple of you. Can you can you kind of share with us your experience um, from yesterday? Um, was it just same old, same old, or was it something good? Yes. Hey, it was great. We got together last night. We all sat on the front row. Nice. Oh, yeah. Where you privileged. You got privileged. We had a great time. Yeah. You know, it, was, it was wonderful. Then this morning at 7.30, we were at the Waves Cafe and had breakfast together. We had a great discussion led by one of our ladies up here. What did we discuss, lady, up here? <laughs> Come on, tell him. Preach <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. on. <laughs> I posed the question, um, just as believers, do we, or have we, decided what it's like to intentionally live by decision or to live by default? Mm. Oh, oh, oh. Because... Generally speaking, just as humans, we live by default. The sure. things that we get up and do, 
the things that we we say, the things that we think on a normal basis is stuff that we've always thought. It's the stuff that we've always said. It's the stuff that we've always done, right? But to live on intentional purpose of decision making requires thinking. It requires planning. It requires a whole lot more effort than just doing what you've always done because that's Absolutely. how you always got by. That's awesome. Give them a hand. That's, that's amazing. You have, you have one more group that will share with us right quick? Your experience? One or more of the groups will kind of share your experience? Yes. Hey, what's your name? Yes, we were. We talked about the most important things in the world in our group. DC versus Marvel. Yes! <laughs> Marvel rules. Uh, um, anyway, um, yeah, we had an awesome time. And we also sat together um, in worship. Uh, amen. Amen. And, uh, and Jeremy has an amazing bass voice. I mean, like, really, like, I'm a, I'm a singer. I'm a singer, so I know voices. I mean, he has like an amazing bass voice. So praise God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles to Ephesians 2. We're going to start in verse 11. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinance, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God, in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So what I really want to talk about is verse 14, but I, I kind of want to open up the passage just a little bit. The book of Ephesians separated really into two halves. Um, chapters 1 through 3, chapters 4 through 6. Um, the first three are really talking about the blessings or the position of the believer. Um, the, the final four or six chapters are talking about practices or behaviors based on blessings. 
you are this, so you do this, um, as opposed to do this to become this. He says you are this, so therefore do this. In, in the first four uh, chapters, the first three chapters, he, he talks about, uh, he gives first, he starts with this, this big triune blessing, you know, praise God and praise Jesus and, and praise the Holy Spirit. And, and he talks about how, how all these things uh, um, come together for the praise of his glory. He talks about how in Christ we are all one, how, how Christ is the head of the church and, and how, how he is the ruler of all things through the church, um, which is his body. He talks about, uh, which the chapter we're going to deal with a little bit, with, with a very long sentence, chapters one, I mean verses 1 through 10 in chapter 2, about God's grace and how amazing grace is. Any good? I'm trying not to preach. <laughs> about how, how amazing his grace is. Um, um, how, how we are saved by grace from wrath because he loves us. He's, he's got so much love. He, he has to fight this, this dichotomy between the righteousness of God and the love of God. That the righteousness of God calls for the sinners to die, but the love of God calls for the sinners to live. And, and so what he does, he dies in place of the sinner, so the sinner might live. He, he says this he does in order to create in himself a masterpiece that can carry out um, the love of God in the world. We, we become arbiters of grace. We, we become the extension of, of what God in Christ has done. And so we no longer live for ourselves because if one died uh, then for all, then all were dead. And so we don't live for ourselves. Instead, we live for him and we live in a world so that we can put grace on people. Therefore, the people of God ought not be people who are ugly acting because grace in itself means beauty. We ought to be people who beautify wherever we go because we're saved by grace, not of works. We shouldn't be bragging about uh, what we have done, but instead glorying in who we are and what we have become. Amen. And because of that, he says, behave a certain way. Amen. Mm-hmm. Since you have been made right, you ought to get you some be right. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so when he's talking about grace, and I, I know some of y'all are New Jack Church of Christ. I'm an old school Church of Christ. <laughs> Book, chapter, and verse. What thus saith the Lord? God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I'm that dude. But I'm here to tell you right now. I would be nothing without the grace of God. Amen. Without God's grace. All of your law keeping and your eye dotting and your T crossing is irrelevant. Because all of that has to be a manifestation of what he has done in you um, for himself. Amen. And so if you are basing your salvation on some checklist, you need to throw your little checklist out. Because it ain't about your checklist. And I'm a, I'm a checklist dude. <laughs> Go to church every Sunday. That's right. Oh, yes, sir. I'm that guy. <laughs> it's time to knock on doors. <laughs> Love thy neighbor. Check. <laughs> you don't know my neighbor. 
But all of that is irrelevant. If it doesn't come out of a being. My friend Jerry Taylor often says, we are human beings, not human doings. And so in Christ, he wants to make us something new. When you talk about, you say, why are you talking about this in the idea of, of race relations? I don't know if I believe all the, the newfangled research on this thing, you know. The new thing is that race is just a social construct. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's actually true. Um, but what I will say is this. The idea of race is very malleable. You know? You know, some of us are something we think we are, and then we find out we ain't. <laughs> For example, how many of you know who Slash is? From Guns N' Roses? Yes. Oh, you know Slash is a brother? Yes. Yeah. I know that. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> no one knew! foreskins cut by those who have had their foreskins cut in the flesh they have a fleshly connection to something that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel this is on political terms strangers from the covenant of promise having no hope <coughs> having no hope and without God in the world. He paints this extremely bleak picture. 
Then he turns the corner to verse 13. But now, in Christ. Notice he says, you who once were far off, you are not in the vicinity. He is not talking about physical proximity. He's talking spiritual relationship. He says, you have been brought. Notice, you didn't come. You were brought. You have been brought near. You have gone from far to near by the blood of Christ. I want to make a little outside of the text application here. The idea of any type of reconciliation of bringing the far to the near is always going to cost. We're not going to just get together for a couple of potlucks. And all of a sudden we're near now. It's going to cost somebody. Matter of fact, it's going to cost a lot of somebodies. And if the biblical record is at least by example can be trusted, the drawing near is going to cost the greater more than the lesser. Well, you know that's preaching right there. I just, yes, I'll just hold my. For the Bible says, verse number 14. I want you to notice what it says. For he himself is our peace. Christ, God in Christ, bringing near, makes peace by the blood. But the peace that is made is not a possession, it's a person. For he himself is our peace. I'm going to make, a, I'm going to make an ontological argument in just a minute. I just want you to hear something. Who has created both to be one, made both one. He has put in work that word literally means. Who has made both one, both who? Both Jews and Gentiles. He's made them into one. This ethnic identity has gone from Jew and Gentile to one. That identity is Christ. And has broken down the middle wall of separation at the temple. This is religious kind of worship ideology here. At the temple there was a, a, a wall or a fence or, or a, a barrier um, there. Matter of fact, the Greek says there were both a wall and a barrier were there. And um, there was an inscription on this barrier to the Gentiles that if you come from the court of the Gentiles into the temple proper, you came on pain of death. The only way you could get from being a Gentile to being in the temple was by dying. Y'all didn't see the gospel right there? Oh, y'all yes. missed it. Y'all missed it. The only way you can get from away from the presence of God into the presence of God was by dying. 
They did it for racist purposes, but they didn't know they were reflecting the heart of God because it was God who was going to die to atone for them so that they might have access, so that the veil of the temple would be pulled, as the King James Version says, in twain from top to bottom. He says now, having abolished, notice, in his flesh, the enmity. I want to tell you, biblically, we don't need to create peace. He's done it. Biblically, what we need to do is submit to sovereignty. See, our problem is not the presence of peace. Because if he is here, he is our peace. Our problem is the, uh, the inability to humble ourselves before the sovereignty of God. That's the reason there's no peace. Maybe because, uh, I hate to tell you, it ain't because white man's great, 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 great somebody enslaved my people. Don't read too much into that now. <laughs> Maybe because some black dude somewhere uh, took my daddy's job because they had to meet a quota. No, no, no. In the church, and I need to have a copy of that. <laughs> somebody's going to read it that. Well, see, we don't need social justice. Justice, the devil is a lie. <laughs> the church has a prophetic voice. What I'm saying here is that in the church, the reason we're having problems is we have a theological problem, not a sociological problem. Amen. See, until our theology starts to uh, inform our sociology, we're going to still have the same problem. Because <coughs> it's still going to be the same problem because the problem is sovereignty. Who going to run this thing? But once it's him, then all of a sudden, sociologically, things start to change. Right? Then suddenly, all of a sudden, uh, my good friend, Tien and his beautiful wife are sitting there. And, and, and here I am, uh, been, in the, been in the faith a while, and we got a little money in the bank, right? All right? Tien's down the street struggling, right? I got a little money. Why is he struggling? Right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's congregational autonomy. <laughs> Under the lordship of Jesus. <laughs> so why is he down there struggling? Well, to get to him, you got to give to everybody. Yes, if you got to well, give to him, you got to give. Well, why am I not giving it to everybody? If it's one new person. You say, well, that's not enough. Well, Paul didn't think it was enough either. Watch what he says. He says, having abolished his flesh to enmity, um, uh, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two. He goes from this idea of ethnic identity to, uh, to, to one's ontological reality. There's no longer two, there is one. Because I no longer look at it as me, you, you, you. It's all, it's, it's we. It's us. It's us. 
But I need, you need what? It's, it's we. It's we, 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 we. We, 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 we. Well, you know, the black church over there, one black church. It's we, 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 we. All you know is just, brother, the elders just, the elders want what? The elders aren't under the sovereignty of Jesus. The elders aren't part of this one new man. If it was the elders' kids down there, they'd show me. Why my kids starving? Amen. Y'all mad at me now, really? We've been all happy, all yes, we were all happy. Now you're looking at me like, fool, you are in my pocket, but now he ain't going there. <laughs> Whatever, dude. If it's we, it's we. Somebody said you 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 don't you don't really believe in God until he has your pin number. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, no, he says, let's close this part out. Now, why does he make us one? He says, thus making peace. When a person comes to Christ, baptized into the body of Jesus Christ, he is put into a state called peace. Why? Because he is no longer at odds with anybody else in the body. At least scripture. Then why do we fight so much? Because we have a lordship problem. I keep telling you all that. It's because we have a lordship problem. It's about me and mine. We have a little idol to ourselves. Let me close this part out. That he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. Therefore, notice he says, putting to death the enmity, the warfare. The hatred is strife. He kills it by putting them all together in one body. We should not like be like cats with our tails tied together. That's not the kind of unity in the body. Or like crabs in a bucket. That's not the unity of the body. The unity of the body is like chocolate shake. <laughs> At first, it's just chocolate syrup, milk, and ice cream. We put that bun together. You can't separate none of it. It's one. One purpose. Oh, what a purpose it is. <laughs> he says, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. Again, you, you, did you hear the language? The far off are the Gentiles and near are the Jews. Same message. Peace. Finally he says, for though, for through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. I, I want to just close this little section part saying that <laughs> when I, when I, I do a lot of marital and premarital counseling. When I'm talking to men and women about uh, uh, how to relate to one another, and I say, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm that guy. I think there's roles in marriage. I don't, I don't think men and women are the same. Even though I think they're equal. I think, I think the scripture bears it out. But watch this. What Peter says is when you get to the table, you both have the same voting rights. <laughs> You're co heirs. 
doesn't have a higher level than you. Uh, you have a higher level than he. No, no, we're co-heirs. We're the same. Amen. Right? Why in the church? Because there's this great disparity between our spirituality. I've got to get you moving again, but I want to, I want to say something. I hope that <coughs> doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. Again, I tell you the first day, I don't, I don't say things that hurt people's feelings. So if it hurts your feelings, I'm not trying to. I can't say I'm sorry because you feel it's mine like it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to speak from my experience. I don't, and I don't say my experience of it's right or as authoritarian. But every time I hear about missions, almost, it almost never sounds like missions to me. It sounds like colonization. Mm -hmm. We'll go over there, and every picture, <laughs> every picture that folk that needs to be be saved on the mission field look like me. Like, wait, what? what? Why come every poster we're going on a mission? Why they all look like me? And all the missionaries don't look like me. <laughs> For me, it's something wrong with the picture. To me, it doesn't sound like Sounds like us need to go save y'all. And it's bothering me. It may not be true. Even though I did read an article by a little white girl. I said little white girl because she's about 16. She said she went on a mission field to one of the countries in Africa. <laughs> And they were building homes for people in Africa. I would have never thought this. She says, so we would go over there, build a home, and then go home. After we just start doing some of the building, we'd come back, and it was always better than when we had fixed on it. Well, see, because the people in this little, they were all craftsmen. They really didn't need nobody to come build a home. <laughs> what they needed was money. <laughs> and so what they would do is, when the missionaries come over to build a home, they would pretend like they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> and then when they leave, they'd all come back that night and fix everything. <laughs> and what she said is that she learned there that, that we need to, not that we don't need to do missions, because absolutely people need to come into the body of Jesus Christ. But what she learned there is that you know, we're looking at this thing wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we're looking at this thing wrong. It wasn't a coronation. Are we good? Yes. Y'all mad? No. All right. Look at that. Don't go on Facebook saying you mad. All right, here's what we're going to do. You see about the incarnational love nature of the church and how this incarnation is supposed to take us from being driven that way to being one. Right? In the church. Um, 
I want to, um, and I got so much, and we got like 15 minutes left. <clears throat> Y'all talk too much. One side of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what I want to do is, um, you got like 10 things to do, you got like time for two. What I want to do is, um, I want to answer a question first. Because I told this gentleman I'd answer. And then we're going to move around. I'm going to answer as quickly as I can. He talked about his inability. Um, he's a white man. Um, he says he grew up in a very prejudiced, I think he used the word, I don't think he used the word racist. He used the word prejudiced um, in Tulsa. And I understand because I went to Tulsa, um, I, for four years in a row, I, I went to Tulsa and did a, a men's seminar at Park Plaza Church. Just that's my second home. It's just the salt of the earth. The most amazing people. But what tripped me out about Tulsa is there's like two Tulsas. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was like, word? Because I'm from here, you know, and you know, we got our problems. But it ain't too LA. You, you know, you got the hood, you got the But you like, you're not supposed to go over there. Really? So I understood what he, the kind of vibe he came from. And he wondered about the term African American. And, and, and here, here's what I want to tell him. Is that uh, people of African descent in this country, uh, my friend Lawrence is more of a sociologist than me, and, um, definitely more of a, uh, uh, just I'm trying to beat it back in, <laughs> uh, 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 a liberation theologian. Um, but in my, in my view, people of African descent did not grow up in the same America as people of Europeans. Right. Our America is not the same. That's right. Right. Um, so we don't view ourselves as Americans in the same, even though we do view ourselves as Americans, not in the same way. So, 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 so when a person of, of a, a white person America, when, when they say I'm, I'm proud to be an American, it usually means something significantly different That's right. for African American folks. That's right. And so I, I lived from the 60s to 70s, so I, you know, I, I, you know, mine wasn't African American. I went from color to say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. See, that was my generation, you know. But I understand the idea of then trying to have a connection with Africa. Because what, what a connection with Africa does is it transcends my history stopping at American slavery. That's right. That's important. So, so now I'm not just black folks who were enslaved. I'm part of rich cultures. Now, I may not know whether or not I was Ethiopian or, or from Ghana. Or, I may know none of those things, but I know I have something beside American slavery. Right? And that's the reason there's this push for a lot of people wanting to call themselves African American. I'm not, I'm not on the sociological. I just don't want you to disrespect me. You know. You can call me black, African American, or Negro. <laughs> I don't want you to call me the other one. <laughs> and, if, and if you're like 80 something years old and you call me colored, I'm not going to do that. You, you 80 something years old, you still in 1940 calling me colored, okay, I'm colored. 
you just got to determine which color I am. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to be calling me Cone. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> so just don't be disrespecting me. But that, that's kind of where it comes from. Um, um, and he said, well, how do I talk to, to folks who are of African descent or African Americans or black folks? For me, black folks are not monolithic. That's right. That's right. So they, I'm just letting you know. We think all kind of ways. That's right. If you want to talk to me, just be straight. Say what you mean. I mean what you say, don't be going around the bush down, you know, down the street. You know we're kind no bro, what? Just tell me, oh come on man. This is a two-minute conversation. Why are we talking five minutes about this? Just speak straight. Now that's me. If you want to talk to anybody, I would say be respectful. You know, and you know, since somebody since some expositor try to determine context. Find who you're talking to and kind of how, how they communicate. <coughs> Try to speak to them in that way. But if you want to know how to speak to me, just be straight. Hope that answered it. I'll stand up a second. We got a few minutes. Here's what I want you to do, and I got we got four questions to do in like five minutes. So what I want you to do is um, I was gonna do something a lot more fun. I want to have crazy names for y'all, but our time's up. <laughs> so if you can, just, just find a group of five to seven people. Just right now, get in a group of five to seven people. A group of five to seven. You have, you have to the count of 15. 14. 13. 14. 14. 14. 14. Did you introduce yourself to everybody? Shake those hands. Did you know them? All right. First question. Here's your first question. First question is this. Complete this sentence. The one thing I really like about black people or culture is the one thing I really like about black people or black culture is. Thompson, Thompson. <laughs> yeah. That's time. Yeah. That's time. Question number two. 
complete this sentence. The one thing I write, really like about white people or culture is. <laughs> really, y'all like to say nothing? Really? <laughs> oh, it's silent. Really? Ask that question, please. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
Conversations correctly. 
But I think that's both sides. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, well, that's that's the next thing I'm going to say. Is that, is that, Sorry, Richard. That, that, no, you didn't. We, we've been in conversations. I've been in business conversations, church business. <clears throat> and then suddenly I'm like, dude, why are, why are we even here? And, and, my, and, and this is probably not all white culture. This is probably more business culture because my other shepherd who is, who is in corporate America, he said, see, you just didn't understand my language. He says, you thought they were just speaking straight. You know, we were we were talking about I mean, we were talking about merging with one church, and you know, the idea of a merger. Right? For me, <laughs> a merger is we come together in one. <laughs> For them, a merger is them consuming us. <laughs> you, you, you say, and, and I'm thinking, you know, oh, we're going to come together as one. No, we're going to eat you. <laughs> so, so and, and I've had that running a lot, and I and I, I've learned it's because I don't contextualize the conversation. I, I don't I don't start to understand who I'm talking to. Right. Um, yeah, that's our time. Here's what else. Here's here's what I wanted to do. If had a chance to finish, we're gonna have a discussion because you're gonna find out if you start listening to. A, there's a whole lot of intersection of the likes and dislikes across cultures. Yes. And a lot of our likes and dislikes about cultures are assumptions of cultures. Yes. 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 Right? And if you start to listen instead of talk, all of a sudden you'll hear that there's a lot of intersections. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, you know. Right? Um, have that time. Um, what I would like to do, if you can indulge me, I can't do everything that I wanted to do. I'm sorry. Um, I told him, I said, see, I should have had a white guy put it together for me. unity, that the peace that already exists in Christ Jesus, that we will fully participate um, as citizens of the kingdom and stop knocking the king off the throne. Allow him to be sovereign and us to walk in his sovereignty. You guys can just pray that. Um, then you can hang around or be dismissed or whatever, but I, I do believe in letting people go. God bless you guys. Love you. Thank you. Thank you.